kind of led up the entire game, just trying to get back into it, the way we did it with how many guys were down and just how many guys had to step it up. I was just so proud of everybody in that locker room. Fighting and they had to, that's a really good team. And um, I was just so proud of the guys. When you have guys like that, like we have, you know, B.A., Debo, Juwan, George, all the running backs, Juice, and you could get them the ball in space, those guys are gonna go make plays for you. And that's really what I was trying to do today, just let those guys go make plays and let those guys be special. Uh, a lot of emotions throughout the whole game too, just the ups and downs, getting off to a slow start and then coming back like we did. It was, it took everything and a lot, you know, we say that a lot of weeks, but this one really did. And I felt it after the game. I know a lot of guys in that locker room did. It was, it was worth it though. It was one of those games that you won't forget anytime soon. And now, now from now. Candlestick Point in San Francisco, California, it's the stick. This 49er Podcast Show. Well, that was a roller coaster ride, Niner fans. The Niners in LA, in basically a home style atmosphere, beat the Rams in overtime. Wasn't pretty, but uh, there were some really good things that happened. Man, it was just almost hard to watch. Stressful game. But uh, the Niners come through and are now in the playoffs and beat the Rams 27 to 24 in overtime. Welcome to another edition of the Stick 49ers podcast. I'm Lucas McLaughlin, and I'm joined now by my good friend and 49er analyst, Lucas Ortiz. Lucas, how was that game? Did you enjoy that or was that tough to watch? Dude, that (laughs) game was one for the ages. I mean, are you kidding me? It had everything. Hey, the Seahawks game was was pretty incredible too. We didn't come up on the winning side of that game, but this game was just, I mean, we, we were down. I mean, there was like literally no chance we had to win that game after being down 17-0. I think if you would look at the uh, the percentage chances of winning that game, next-gen stats, whatever you want to look up, it was something like 0.6% to maybe 2% yeah. at the time. And how we won that game, I'm still just, it's it's hard to believe that we were able to come back and have such a night and day first and second half and pretty much a, a, another quarter. We had to play that, that overtime quarter, which, which came down to the end. So we played about three good quarters and two really bad ones. Um, yeah. Just an incredible victory. Really excited about getting into the playoffs and getting to face the Cowboys. A lot of emotions, man. How are you feeling? It's funny. I probably sent you some text. uh, after being down 17 points, I started thinking, well, maybe Lance would have a better shot at this. Garoppolo didn't look horrible, but he didn't look good. And, the, and especially, you know, the Niners just got worked in the first half of this game. You know, we like to dominate the possession of the ball possession. And we, you know, they, they gave us a taste of our own medicine. Garoppolo, who ended up finishing 23 of 32 for 316 yards and one touchdown, two bad interceptions and uh Debo <laughs> ends up throwing another touchdown pass to Jennings. And that was, man, the third quarter, the Niners owned the third quarter. And that's when I started to feel more confident about this. And even that was not super confident, but you know, it, you started to hear the 49er fans in that stadium. And it was almost like candlestick when the Niners did something, probably 40% Niner fans, I, I would imagine. <laughs> Yeah, it was incredible. Every time they were on, every time the Rams were on offense, it seemed like there was more noise 
screaming for the defense to try to get the Rams off their game and, you know, get them a little disjointed taking snaps than there were when we were on offense. It was, uh, yeah. it was nice to see that Niner take over. From what I hear, there was a lot of fans there. I actually have a, a, a friend of ours, a guy you met in Seattle, Brian. He was actually oh, yeah. in a suite that his buddy wow. had won in some kind of auction. So he was there taking pictures and sending them my way. I love how it seems that California is is really a 49er state now. Like with the, you know, there wasn't a ton of Raiders fans in, in California. I mean, there still are, but it just seems like there's just more 49er fans up and down the southern and northern California, definitely central. Like we we own that territory. And it showed in that game, you know, like yeah. uh, we, we made our presence known in, in that stadium. SoFi Stadium is Levi's West, Levi's South. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an extension of the 49er empire. And, you know, what can you say about Cal Shanahan? He just, he, he, he owns the Rams. Yeah. He owns Sean I, McVay and his <laughs> little spiked gel haired LVN look <laughs> running into the, running into the end zone after that second touchdown and, high-fiving guys like you know he was in uh pop warner like what the <laughs> was that man like that kind of pissed no me off kidding. actually both teams seem to stick with the run after down 17 points you started to think uh-oh shanahan's gonna go into pass only mode but jimmy garoppolo was out there you know obviously he's not 100 percent, but they started to stick with the run even though they started passing a little more and i liked that man that uh, Mitchell finishes 21 carries for 85 yards. Samuel, eight carries for 45 yards. And they had a couple others who ran the ball. But we stuck with the run. We knew that the formula had to stick. We had to keep running the ball. And how about that drive in the second half, third quarter, where we basically ran every play and the only pass was thrown by Debo for a touchdown to cap it off. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, Debo, he's the the Swiss Army knife of the NFL. Like, I know he's not going to win the MVP. You know, it's probably going to go to A.A. Ron Rodgers or maybe even Jonathan Taylor. But I think this kind of – this game kind of catapulted him into maybe top three, top five uh, yeah. NFL MVP votes. So he does it all. He threw it. He ran it. He actually didn't catch a, a TD pass this game, but he had a lot of really – key plays uh, on his on his legs uh some huge catches especially especially in the uh the game tying into the regulation drive he just had that huge play to get us into into a striking position to tie the game and he was just all over the place i mean even in the negative three yard gains he would get were just thumping like i think he knocked uh jalen jalen ramsey to the ground on a attempted tackle well he did tackle him but it looked like the tackler got the the brunt of it, and uh, yeah, I just love Debo, man. He was my he's been my favorite player all year. I honestly thought Brandon Nayuk going into the start of the season was going to be the big receiving threat and uh, the go to guy, the the number one option, and Debo was going to kind of be his his wingman, so to speak. Yeah. But it, it hasn't it hasn't played that way at all. I mean, Brandon Ayuk had a game himself too. Yeah. I mean, he he was no slouch this game. I think he had. Over 100 yards. Yep. Six catches for 107 yards. Right. Yeah, he really woke up and smelled the concrete when when they were down. You know, you got it. Hats off to Jimmy Garoppolo, who ended up making some really tough, nice throws in this game, despite those interceptions. Yeah, and uh, let's talk a little bit about 
the young pup, Jawan Jennings, you know, this is kind of oh. his rookie year, even though it's not. Yeah. He was phenomenal. Insanely good. I mean, how, how important was that guy to winning that game yesterday? Jennings, six catches for 94 yards and two touchdowns. And yeah, I mean, was, so really we had three guys that had a hundred yard games, right? Basically. I mean, yeah. Know, 94, Debo, 90, 95, 96. Yep. Yeah. And I, so all key, all, all very important. Each catch was, was bigger than the next, especially those ones in the fourth quarter and overtime. And, you know, that's another guy I like who similar to Elijah Mitchell, you didn't really expect much going into the season. You didn't think they would have the type of impact on the team that they wind up having. And it's yeah. so nice that these young guys who were undrafted or drafted late were able to be so successful early really goes to show you that we don't know anything when it comes to drafting players, who's going to be good, who's going to be, uh, uh, you know, a bust, you know, you really just have to wait it out and see how it plays out. And sometimes it takes even more than one year in the case of Jennings, it took a couple of years to finally see his, his worth. Um, luckily with Elijah Mitchell, we didn't have to wait that long. Yeah. And Jimmy took some pretty hard hits in this game and got some throws off regardless. And to his credit, one of those interceptions, you know, there was a non-call where he gets hit in the head and he was pretty upset about that. Well, that was big. Cause that was the interception, right? Yeah, exactly. So and, that goes our way. They call the, the 15 yard penalty. It takes that, that terrible throw off the board and, you know, makes us forget about it. And I'd have to, to speak about how, uh, how, what on earth was he thinking throwing it? I know he, <laughs> I know he had some pressure and I know he got hit as he was throwing it, but but, you know, credit to Jimmy. He picked himself off the floor and wound up having a really good rest of the game. Luckily for us, you know, he doesn't he doesn't linger on bad plays. He just forgets it and, and goes to work. Yeah, and after being down 17 points, you could see there was definitely fight in our defense. We were pretty stout against the run, and I thought that they did an excellent job. Greenlaw had some interesting plays. You know, sometimes he was on it. And sometimes he had dangerous plays. He drove somebody into the turf at one point at a critical time in the game, and it didn't get called. Uh, so, you know, sometimes we get away with a few too. But the defense played excellent in this game. And how fitting was it that Thomas got that pick to seal the deal uh, after all he's been through and he's gets, been getting picked on every game? Yeah, it seems like the last three or four weeks we've just been commenting on how Ambry Thomas just seems to not be able to make that huge play. He, he gets there, he knocks it down, but you know, a lot of times he's in position to make interception. And he just can't hold on to the ball. That wasn't the case at the end of the game yesterday. He was able to finally make and complete that interception. So happy for him. His journey has been pretty amazing too. Uh, I think I mentioned that to you. It's just crazy. You know, thinking about like how he sat out last year with COVID came into the season, drafted pretty high, expecting to probably start or at least back up, be the primary backup at cornerback. Yeah. And it was slow, slow trading for him. He didn't really look that great in training camp. He didn't really get into the, uh, the active roster until maybe about halfway through the season. And even then, it was because of, of a lot of injuries. Uh, Jason Barrett, Dante Johnson, um, who else got hurt? Uh, Mosley got hurt. So it kind of forced him into the starting lineup, maybe a little earlier than he was ready for, but he gradually got better every single week. He was making plays. 
uh, albeit not making the the interceptions. And this this last game, he finally got that big grab to end of the game and send send them to the playoffs. Definitely, and you know Nick Bosa had some continued with his dominance. He's such a beast. Quietly, uh, Armstead I thought had one of his better games. Ends up with two and a half sacks and helped control the run. Uh, the Rams continue to try and run against the Niners, but we were stout. And uh, on this side of the trenches, I thought we did a great job stopping the run and getting to the quarterback. Agreed. I think Armstead had his best game, maybe of his 49er career. Like He had a pretty good 2019 campaign. We all know about the sacks and the, the trip to the Super Bowl. Uh, this team, this, this defensive line with all its depth, and I think we're finally – Missing D Ford still, and he's not going to play this year and may not ever play a snap for the 49ers. I think this is the deepest, most talented defensive line the 49ers has ever had. And I'm including all the teams that we had with, you know, Brian Young, Dana Stubblefield, uh, Richard, Richard Dent, um, yeah. you know, all the Bubba Paris, like all those guys that were amazing, talented 49er defensive linemen in the past. Um, Fred Dean. Fred Dean. This is the deepest. We are two even three deep at some positions. Arden Key had a good game. Contavious Street made a huge play in the backfield. Yeah. You know, DJ Jones continued to be that run-stopping defensive tackle that he's been all year. Uh, who else? Ebicom made some nice plays out there. I mean, it's just, it, it comes from every position, and it's not just Nick Bosa and that's it. You know, Nick Bosa gets the attention. He gets double-teamed more than everybody. But then those other guys are able to take advantage of those one-on-ones and when we do blitz, which is not that often, we were getting there. You know, Fred Warner came home on a blitz. I think he got a, a huge, a huge sack in the second half. Yeah, Greenlaw. Greenlaw, Greenlaw got there too. So, you know, D'Amico Ryan's credit him a little bit for changing things up and and not just doing his typical Kwan Williams or Dante Johnson uh, nickelback blitz. Like he was sending the linebackers in there. He was doing some cool little twist games or, you know, uh, line stunts uh, in the trenches and, and getting home with the, with the four man rush. So he was, he was mixing things up. And I, I like the fact that they weren't just doing the same thing against yeah. the Rams, especially since the Rams, you know, they, they, they know they've seen enough of us on tape. They played us a bunch of times. They know what we like to do and what we don't like to do, what our tendencies are. So they were prepared for what we, uh, what we've done in the past, but not what we did this game. Yeah, and definitely, you know, you just touched on it. Some of those stunt blitzes were really key and threw the Rams off because, like you said, we don't blitz that often. But when we did, we got to the quarterback, and we're going to have to continue to apply that kind of pressure against Dallas here in the playoffs. But I think this is a good time to talk about a line who did a great job, even without their best player in Williams. Let's get down in the trenches with Lucas down in the trenches with Lucas Ortiz. Down in the trenches. So, Lucas, they did a phenomenal job without their best guy. Break it down for us. Yeah, so we both got that that alert that Trey Williams wasn't going to start the game, and it was kind of just like a, a shock to the system, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I was like, you know, I was like fully expecting him to play, even though he didn't really practice this week. It was a sprained elbow. Yeah, was the uh, the injury and just apparently it's pretty bad. I'm crossing my fingers that we have him back for the playoffs. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we don't really know what his his status is yet, but 
yeah, we, I think I just kind of figured the whole week, like he wasn't going to practice or just kind of save the arm and then he'll be good to go for Sunday and come to find out that he wasn't going to start. So I'm thinking, okay, Jalen Moore is probably going to be the guy to, to take his spot. You know, he's been pretty decent this year when he's, he's had to come in and play at uh, left tackle or right tackle and yeah. surprised to see that it was Colton McKivitz who hadn't seen the field all year. You know, he played a little bit last year and got some, some decent games under his belt, albeit at, at the guard position, but I was not expecting him to come in for Trevor Williams as the starting left tackle. And other than one play against Von Miller in the second half where he gave up a, a sack, uh, I think it was the one of two sacks that Jimmy took yeah. in this game, you know, the offensive line was pretty good. And Colton McKibbitts was pretty good. Like that was the only time I heard his name was that one sack. And I went back and watched the game a little bit today and Blocking the run, especially in the second half, I think he really started to get his accuracy in his blocks, getting his feet where they needed to be in order to make the the correct blocks and started to get a lot more leverage on the guy he was going against. And he was starting to open up holes and it showed we, I think we ran, we ran the ball 10 times on one drive. The game tying drive where we, uh, we tied it at 17. I think we ran the ball 10 straight times. Phenomenal. A little Elijah Mitchell, a little Hasty, a little Debo. And then it culminated with the, the Debo Samuel run, jump pass to Jawan Jennings. But I, that, I feel like the, the O-line just came out really with a lot of effort and a lot of anger in that second half, especially that first drive coming out of halftime. So credit to them was not the greatest of first halves. I, they really weren't able to open up a lot of holes. And I think it was kind of because what the Rams were were putting out there defensive wise, they were yeah. they were putting a lot of guys in the box, and they knew the plays that we wanted to run as outside pitches and the the jet sweeps with Debo and the tosses. They, they were ready for it, and they had a lot of guys waiting for those plays. Um, we started running the ball a little more inside to kind of counter what they were doing. And once we started throwing the ball a little bit, especially at the end of the first half, beginning of the second half that opened up holes because now they had to go in more into a, a two deep zone type defense. And that's where we're able to get those big runs start to pop. Elijah Mitchell started going for 15 yards, you know, 10 yards. Debo started hitting those big plays with his, with his legs and things just turned, you know, that the old line is what really turned the, the, the momentum of the game. You know, the defense was playing well all game for the most part, although they were having their issues with, with Cooper Cup, but I think the, the offensive line, what they were able to do to the Rams, tire them out, you know, deliver those body blows in the second half, really turn the tide, and ultimately, you know, the Rams just faded. Like they couldn't, they couldn't handle our toughness. They couldn't handle our ability to to run the ball. They knew it was coming, and they couldn't stop it. And that's just that's the greatest feeling in the world if you're a 49er fan. Hell yeah. So, you know, Jimmy, he did take a sack or two. Um, there was a strip sack, and there was the uh, the Von Miller uh, sack on McKivitz. But, you know, overall, these guys did a really good job of giving Jimmy time. And even when Jimmy took hits, he was able to get rid of the ball um, with enough time to to make some big plays. Like, like we mentioned before, Debo and Jawan Jennings and Ayuk all had big games. Um, what, it was unfortunate that George Kittle kind of took a backseat. And, you yeah. know, he's, he's kind of a guy that we use in the, the run game and he's kind of like a, an honorary offensive lineman, but you know, he, he did his thing too. Like he was getting some good blocks there with the, the tackles combo blocks with Tom Compton and, and really opening up some of those holes. So, 
you know, overall, I, I give these guys an A+. Plus. It was against one of the best defenses in the league in a game that they had to win, in a game against a team that also really, really wanted to win, to, to win the division and to, to have a higher seeding. So they were able to come a 17-point deficit and win it in overtime. You got to give them all the, the credit in the world and played an outstanding two, almost three quarters of football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, got to give them credit, just like you said. Yeah, so we'll see how the trenches and what the trenches are going to look like next week against the Cowboys. Hopefully we do get Trent Williams back. Um, but, you know, it's nice to know that when he is not starting at left tackle, we're, we're still able to, to produce a lot of good things and, and get a lot of positive yards on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, how much? Yeah, what, what, was, what was the final ground numbers? 135 yards uh, rushing. And like you said, though, they did make sure that Jimmy had time when he threw the ball. And let's just hope that we advance in the playoffs. And then if we do, we'll get back down in the trenches with Lucas Ortiz. Down in the trenches with Lucas Ortiz. Down in the trenches. So Dallas Cowboys. I know that I saw a little stat that Prescott threw five touchdowns in that last game they played. Um, I think they did have some COVID issues. Not really sure. We'll have to look into that. But what are the keys to victory here in our big playoff game? Which do you know what time that game's going to be at? Is it's going to be an afternoon game? We're playing. It's one o'clock Pacific, four o'clock Eastern. Let's hope the faith will show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm actually going to quote the great 49ers color analyst Tim Ryan. I heard him on the radio this morning. He said, "Sack Dak," and I think that's <laughs> going to be the number one thing. We got to get him on his back we got to make his arms and his shoulders and his whole body just ache of pain like we did to matthew stafford i don't know if you saw stafford's arms at the end of the game but they were bruised and welted like he was getting hit so hard that you could see the red welt bruises purple bruises on his arms at the end of the game yeah as he limped back to the huddle as he limped back to the huddle exactly so i think that was a big part of why he went from an almost perfect first half. I think he was like 15 of 16 in the first half Yeah. to going like six of 16, the rest of the game, which is, you know, impressive for the, the 49ers defense. And they're going to have to do the same thing to Dak Prescott. Yeah. You know, if he gets a hot, if he gets a hot start, like, like Stafford does, then we're going to have to, you know, pin our ears back and, and do a lot of that same pass rushing scheming and, and just do whatever we can to put pressure in his face, put him on his back, hit him. Even if he gets rid of the ball, you know, maybe take a penalty or two. This <laughs> <laughs> seems to be the case most games and yeah, get as many sacks as you can. I want Nick Bosa to get two or three Armstead to get one Arden key, maybe to get a couple, you know, like just, just make it a sack party. Uh, the second key to the game is run the ball down their throats. They're not a very good run defense. You know, they can't get to the quarterback, but uh, as far as stopping the run, they've given up a lot of yardage. So we need to open up holes just like we did in that that Rams game. You know, I think yeah. 35 to 40, yard, 40 runs a game is kind of like what's going to win it for us. So if we can get that total up there, I think there's a good chance that we we head to the divisional round playoff. And, you know, look for Elijah Mitchell to have a big round game. I want him to definitely get over 100, 125 yards on the ground maybe throwing some hasty runs and, and some, some Debo Deadpool plays, 
and kind of get that, that rush total to maybe about 200. So that's going to be a huge part of the, uh, the equation to winning against the Cowboys. And third is just Cal Shanahan. I think he, he showed why he's such a masterful play caller. He outcoached Sean McVay. You know, Sean McVay may have thought like, oh, I got this. I'm undefeated after leading in the, the first half. You know, I think he was something like 25 and, and 0 leading in the first half and, or 45 and 0 leading after the first half. And, and uh, wow. Kyle just has his number. Like he, he out chess played them that whole second half. I think his play calling ability, I think his, his game management has actually improved as the season has got on um, this last game. Case in point, you know, taking, taking the punt after a, a, a fourth and uh, 18 on a Jimmy sack in the fourth quarter. And instead of trying to go for it on fourth down, knowing that he has three, you know, three uh, timeouts to take. And, you know, if we stop him three and out, we can actually get the ball back and tie the game. So that worked out very well. And I think just the way he, he ran the, the game, you know, we didn't have to burn any timeouts. We didn't have to yeah. uh, take any unnecessary delay game penalties. Just the overall management of the head coach was excellent that last game. And I think that's going to be an advantage over Mike McCarthy, who I don't think is that good of a head coach. So Before you give me a final score, we didn't touch on Robbie Solid Gold, who showed how talented he is and was able to fill in once Wisnowski went down with a concussion. I mean, hopefully we'll have our punter back. But wow, wasn't that pretty amazing to see someone like Robbie Gold come in and make 60-yard punts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, know, next man up. And not just Robbie Gold. How about Kyle Juszczyk, Juice? The holder. Having yeah. to be the holder. You know, that's something that he typically does. But they didn't miss what, a step. what can't he do, right? I mean, he's yeah. like our – I think he's I think he's our third-string quarterback. He's the emergency quarterback. He's the emergency snapper. I think he's the emergency long snapper, I've heard. So yeah, this guy can kind of do it all. He's 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 the uh, another Swiss Army knife similar to Debo, but it's nice to have those all all-purpose talented guys that can basically fill in where needed. But give me a final score here versus the our, in our first playoff game. Hopefully, there's a second one versus the Dallas Cowboys. What do you see for our final score, Lucas? So I think the Niners are going to score 31, Cowboys 17. It's going to be a close game for most of the game. And I think the Niners are just going to pull out right at the end of the game. I think they're going to get ahead seven and then just put it away with like a field goal or something, man. Just, you know, nice. And it ended nice and easy, a little less stressful than this last game. I don't know about you, but I, I had about five heart attacks. Oh my God. Yeah. 10 years on my Crazy. life. Just watching that game, just <laughs> the, the, the roller coaster ride that it was. So yeah, this one's going to be a little easier at the end for our, on our hearts and our, uh, in our minds and i think we're going to get a nice 31 to 17 victory how nice. do you see it so i'm going for another big team win just like this one against the rams but i'd like to see kittle have over 100 yards and two touchdown catches just to get back into kittle fashion and but overall you know i like that you know sometimes we put debo in the backfield and then we'll go with mitchell we definitely need to make sure that they don't know every single time that Debo's back there, that he gets the ball and, you know, cause he probably does most of the time, but you're doing a good job. And he usually is able to get through defenses anyway, the way with his running style, but I want to see uh, another big game on the ground and make it easy for Jimmy to get his 
win against Dallas, but he's still going to throw three touchdown passes. And I think the final score will be Niners 31, Dallas 21. Like so that we're not so stressed in that fourth quarter. I'd like to see a nice lead. <laughs> nice. Would it be possible to have the ghost of Pat Summerall and John Madden call the game? I mean, that would just make it perfect, right? Well, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, it's... I'll see if my friend John is available. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, how cool would that be, right? That would be so cool. You know they're smiling down. <laughs> there's got to be there's got to be someone right now, some some software engineer that's just like <laughs> taking everything that those guys have ever said and making some kind of a computer program where they can just like hologram them onto the screen and have them call a game. Hi, everyone. Welcome to John Madden football. Isn't that possible? I mean, uh, I wouldn't put it past, you know, some we, some nerd in San Francisco probably is like, dude, he knows my idea. Yeah, I mean, we sent Captain Kirk up into space. I think we can we can figure that out. You know, just get rid of all these terrible modern announcers. I mean, there's some good ones out there, but you know, I don't really need to see Troy Aikman or Joe <laughs> Buck calling a game ever again. Yeah, no let's kidding. get like the yeah, like a computer generated voice and image of Pat Summerall, John Madden calling games. Make it happen. Well, I like the dream, and uh, let's hopefully go get a win against Dallas, and then we'll advance in the playoffs and. Either way, we'll probably have at least one more podcast. Um, hopefully, we'll keep it going in the playoffs here. Yeah. yeah. Go Niners. Yeah, go Niners. First time playing the Cowboys in the playoffs since? Since. This rivalry was built on legacy plays. And just like Starbucks comeback in 72. And the catch back in 81. The 94 championship would be decided by a signature play that would add yet another chapter to this tale of two cities. 6.14 to go, 38 to 28. Second and 10, 43-yard line. Tension building in the crowd and on the sidelines. Everything at stake, a berth in the Super Bowl. Aikman drops back to throw. Launches it way down the left side. It looks too deep, and it's incomplete to Michael Irvin. Big defensive play by Sanders. Half the Cowboy team is on the field, claiming pass interference. And he had Dion on that one. Boy, Dion Sanders slipped on that Yeah, one. yeah, he slipped on the break. Yeah. Whoa, close call. That may have been the defining play of the game. For years, Michael Irvin dominated by pushing off. So there's no way one of the most aggressive receivers of all time can complain about a little hand check. That play was exactly why we signed primetime. Um, well. Had they called that pass interference on Dion like they should have, we would have won. We talking about ifs? <laughs> I mean, come on. We had a 10-point lead, and it wasn't even a scoring play. And he probably wouldn't have caught it anyway. You guys were on the cusp of another candlestick collapse. The only thing that fell apart was your dream of a three-peat. Here we go, fourth and 11. Aikman's back, Harris Saxon. That might about do it. And the Cowboy two-year reign is coming to an end. I thought we had the better team. Broke my heart. Only one of two times I've ever teared up on a loss in the NFL. It's one of those special games that years later, we still talk about. Oh, wow, Super Bowl. that's right. Super Dion. Bowl team, yeah. Yeah, wow. NFC title game. 
I think that's the last time we played well, them we, in the playoffs. So. We beat the living just... crap out of them at home at, at Candlestick. I was yeah. there. <laughs> that was amazing. All right, brother. All right, dude. I'll see you next week. Go Niners. Thanks, Lucas. Go Niners. <laughs>